This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for spending some time with me. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast via the Bet Rivers Podcast Network, thanking Adam Delavitt for what was a terrific first five months of broadcasting. He's the guy who brought me to this gambling app for weekly football conversations a couple of times a week actually the terrestrial thing I'm doing locally in northwest Indiana is a weekly deal but Adam thank you for this opportunity and those of you who have been listening for several months now already thank you and appreciate it if you continue to spread the word because we're getting more and more subscribers all the time and that's the general idea if I could quote William Hickey from the 1990 classic My Blue Heaven um, is it going to be a blue heaven for the Bears? Ha, that's a good one. When they go to the Honolulu Blue and take on the Lions at Ford Field Sunday, I'm going to get to that game in just a little bit, as well as some other compelling NFL matchups. We've got a lot of playoff swing games again this weekend, and it will go down to the 18th weekend for wild cards in both the NFC and AFC. Some teams are fading fast, and one of them plays tonight. That's when we kick off week seven or week yeah week seventeen. It's the Titans at home uh, with the Cowboys, and Dallas is a twelve and a half point favorite, even though they are missing some key components, likely including Micah Parsons, who has lost the Defensive Player of the Year award over these last few weeks. Nick Bosa now is the clear favorite. To win the deep boy, he's got a real good shot with two games to go to setting the single season record for sacks in a year. So it looks like it's going to him. But you've got a Titans team that is, you know, still alive, but playing out the string as it is after losing to the, the damn Texans last weekend. Tennessee and, and Malik Willis at the wheel is, and no Derrick Henry is a tough watch. Uh, that said, the NFL's ratings tonight, even on Amazon Prime, will be monster because the NFL is king. And I, I shout that from the mountaintop for a couple of reasons. And there was a good story on ProFootballTalk.com today, Mike Florio writing about how the NFL with three potential, and they said bad games on the docket for Christmas Day. The, the, the whole angle was the NFL destroyed what the NBA did and by 500%. You had more viewers, 23 million people, I think, watched the or, uh, the Dolphins and Packers this past Saturday. I quarreled with the way for, uh, Florio or whoever on his staff billboarded the story. It says, 
bad games. They, you know, they they were potentially bad games because Green Bay may not be a playoff team. But how in the world are you going to say that the Miami Dolphins, with that combination of of Hill and Waddle at wide receiver, how can you say that's bad? How, what what's bad about that? America loves offense, and Americans sitting around on Christmas Day. You know, we're looking forward to seeing that because the Dolphins have not had a ton of national dates. And you got a Cowboys or a Packers quarterback who is a, a polarizing dude, Aaron Rodgers. People love to hate on Aaron Rodgers, even some Packers fans. But uh, Tua was awful this past week, and we learned the next day that he's back in concussion protocol. I guess every time the rest of his career, he throws it to Rasul Douglas or Zaire Alexander. Uh, it's going to be a concussion problem, not a Tua problem. He he did look like he was trying to throw it to the Packers, though. So I'm not dismissing it completely, but there's a built-in excuse. And you wonder about the future of Tua Tagovailoa, Viola, even though there's no N in uh, Taggy of Viola. But uh, Cowboys and Titans tonight, I'm going nowhere near a 12-and-a-half point spread. If I had to play the game, I'd be I, I'd have to take the points. Even though I don't like Tennessee, they're at home, and twelve and a half is a lot on the road. It's a lot anywhere in this NFL. With so many games being decided by one possession, I wouldn't feel remotely good about laying twelve and a half. Even though Tennessee is on the outside looking in, Malik Willis starting to get a little respect from the coaching staff. I know that because I spent time on one of my favorite American newspapers, the Tennessean today. When you're looking for Titans news or news on the Nashville Predators, go to the Tennessee and they are your source for all things Tennessee football uh, and, and other sports too. They cover everything there. But uh, Mike Vrabel apparently is coming around on Malik Willis, thinks there's progress being made. We'll see. Uh, Dallas has been a mixed bag the second half of this season. That's another reason not to trust this game. We'll get to the Bears and Lions in a little bit, and I will get to the uh, the biggest stories of 2022 in Chicago sports. I threw this out on Facebook today, and I gave an example for each team, um, Bears, Cubs, Sox, Blackhawks, and Bulls, and what was the biggest story of the year. And I'll get some early returns to you in just a little bit and talk about um, what people are saying about the question, biggest story of the year. But I wanted to open by... Uh, stirring up a discussion, even though it's just me talking here, you can get to me via social media at Danny Mac show on Twitter or on Facebook. And I try to reply to as many as I can when people post on or, or comment on, on my Facebook page. So have at it. And that's how it becomes more dialogue-y, uh, for lack of a better word. I was thinking last week after the passing of Franco Harris about those Steelers teams of the 70s. And it, it, it occurred to me, I, I wondered why weren't the Steelers referred to as America's team, which I thought as a phrase was born much earlier than it actually was. It belonged to the Cowboys in the 70s, and a lot of people tell you it'll always be the Cowboys moniker, their handle, America's team. I, I actually thought this went back to the early days of of Roger Staubach and the and the Cowboys winning in early Super Bowls. They got to a ton of them. They were a very accomplished football team early in the existence of the franchise. They were born in freaking 1960 
were the Cowboys, and they play in back-to-back NFL championship games, 66 and 67. They play in five Super Bowls in the first, what, 10, 11, 12 years of the game with Roman numerals. So that's part of why a team would be considered America's team, familiarity with them. They're great, so you see them all the time. And that was the intention of NFL Films writer, and now I think Vice President Bob Ryan, when he wrote that for the 78 Cowboys postseason highlights. You see, in the pre-internet era, kids, we would look forward to the NFL Films people putting out our teams or any teams that interested us or had an interesting season. They would put out their season highlight reel that would run 30 minutes typically and they always were narrated by the voice of from from heaven, John Facenda, the guy people said oh, he could make a laundry list sound interesting because he was he was a he, tremendous presence as a narrator for NFL films, and he he with Ryan writing the 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 term America's team, his his introduction to that season's highlight reel was. They appear on television so often their faces are as familiar to the public as presidents and movie stars. They are the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. I thought that distinction should have gone to the Steelers of the 70s for a handful of reasons. For me, it's way more than just being successful and recognizable. The city in which a team plays. I think can go a long way in it staking its claim to being America's team. I almost went uh, Moses Moreno there, the former Bears quarterback, who said he was claiming his stake at the Bears quarterbacking job. He told Terry Boris and me that years ago in the early days of the score. Now it's time for me to claim my stake after an injury. Well, he didn't claim his stake and he didn't stake a claim. He was bad. So, I think it has to do with where you're at. That's another reason the Steelers were so worthy of that title in the 70s. They won their first of four Super Bowls in a six-year stretch in January of 1975. And as as I got to, and many others, um, thinking about Franco Harris's career, thinking about the legacy of the 70s Steelers, I just wonder why in the world they weren't regarded as America's team. They are from a blue-collar, give-no-quarter-take-no-quarter town in Pittsburgh, a city that during the 70s was experiencing terrible economic depression. There were a lot of towns. It was in a recession in 75. There was a gas crisis. in that. There was a lot of things that were bringing people low. And in those towns that were industry-driven, like Cleveland, like Chicago or Northwest Indiana, like Pittsburgh, it was important to get salvation from a football team. It was good escapism. And the Steelers had plenty of stars as well. Franco Harris, God, I hate it that that happened at 72 before they retired his jersey number this past Sunday night. That was so, so sad. Uh, Saturday night, my bad there. But I, I think they're – there should be something to do. If you're going to get that title, you should represent, in my world, American values, hard work, keeping your nose clean, 
certainly Roger Staubach was that he was, he was called captain America. He also earned the nickname captain comeback. Um, Jim Harbaugh stole that title from him when he was with the Colts a few years back. And there was, uh, we called him captain come something else uh, after he did the flyby on the bear sideline in a freaking preseason game. But uh, you know, American values, apple pie, What's, you know, what is righteous lifestyle? Roger Staubach personified that. The dude went to the Naval Academy and won the Heisman Trophy in 1963. Why didn't he begin his NFL career until he was 27? Because he served in Vietnam. He was he was in the Navy. He wanted to fly planes, but like Paul Dano's character in Little Miss Sunshine, he was colorblind. Staubach was an amazing player. The Cowboys were an amazing team. During a 20-year stretch under Tom Landry, they were in the conference championship game 12 times. As I mentioned, the two NFL titles, 66 and 67, they were a successful team and quickly in franchise history. Landry pushed back on the title, America's team. He didn't like that. He didn't feel there was any reason to give opponents more initiative than what they already had because we're among we're, we're the class of the league. We're the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody has Roger. Nobody has the defense we have with with Bob Lilly and later uh, Randy White. They were they were a fun team to watch. They were good on both sides of the ball. Um, but you know. If you're looking at that title, for me, that needs to be a part of why a team is to be called America's team. The Green Bay Packers are a good candidate for America's team. It's the only team in the NFL that's owned by its fan base. 112,000 plus shareholders are, um, you know, that is a big part of it. It's it's There isn't a more blue collar town in the NFL than Green Bay. Buffalo certainly would be a good candidate now this year for being called America's team. They haven't won one yet. They're the underdog. You want to see them win. They have stars on both sides of the ball, even though their biggest defensive star has been hurt. Von Miller, man, bills and Bengals Monday night. That's going to be good. But, but I put it out on Twitter and which, which team do you believe in the 21st, in this century, 21st century deserves to be called America's team. And the Patriots have to be a part of it because if it's about winning largely, and that's what it was intended originally, that's what Bob Ryan was implying when he called them America's team because they were successful and everybody knew who the F they were. Okay. The Patriots that certainly that would qualify them, uh, including having the greatest quarterback and greatest head coach in the history of, of the sport, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, Pat Summerall after the NFL films, video was released in 78 uh in 1979 he started using that term for the cowboys and i learned this week thinking about those steelers art rooney pushed back on this too art rooney wanted nothing to do with that title he basically gave his middle finger to every other town in america when he said we're pittsburgh's team we have no interest in being america's team not willing to share your your good fortune and your good team and solid organization the way those teams drafted and put together the steelers it's incredible absolutely 
stunning how good that franchise was winning four titles in six years. And I want to correct something I said on the podcast the other day when referring to Franco Harris. Uh, This was last Thursday's podcast. And thank you, Nick Shepkowski, my former producer at The Score and a guy who's still a, a good bud and a football savant. He notified me. I I called Mel Blunt a safety. Mel Blunt, number 47, the Hall of Famer. I know full well he was not a safety. He was an outstanding corner, one of the best of all time, probably. And I called him a safety. Jeez, everybody knows Mike Wagner and and Glenn Edwards were the safeties. We all know that. And Donnie Schell was the nickel. Donnie Schell was the first guy I remember hearing about a defense bringing in a fifth defensive back. Everybody remembers those first times, forget what, you know, whatever sport it is, but the category might be, you know, offensive linemen who lined up as fullback and provided the lead block guy McIntyre of the 49ers. And then Ditka comes back against the Niners the next year and sends fridge up the middle to knock somebody into the following day, which he did frequently. Um, I I can't believe I, I screwed that up. I, I know every guy on those Iron City beer cans. I, I can give you, and just watching the video in the last week of those teams with Franco Harris, okay, Mike Webster had not established himself yet as a rookie in 74. That's why Ray Mansfield is the center. Hey, there's Jim Clack, number 50, pulling as Rocky Blyer takes the ball to the chains for a first down. I know all of those sons of bitches. I loved them all. That was my bandwagon team. And for me to call Mel Blunt a safety is inexcusable. I told Shep, who's a Steelers enthusiast, I should have to give up my Iron City beer can. I've got some of those beer cans, the commemorative ones, the team of the decade of the 70s. Uh, I've got a Jack Lambert Hall of Fame Iron City beer. Oh, you're happy for me, right? Like I said, that's that's my bandwagon team. But they're a good choice for the title. Whether whether Art Rooney wanted it or not, it doesn't give. It doesn't freaking matter. If America wants to call you their team, they will. I thought the Cowboys lost the title in the '90s because they were well known and very successful, but not popular because of troubles they had off the football field. Remember stories of the White House. Not far from where the Cowboys worked out. Yeah, there was a place where all the Cowboys players would go to to snort Yale and and bang prostitutes. That was well discussed, I think, even when it was going on. And I once talked with Michael Irvin about it uh, on the air. It was a fascinating interview and all of the things that he was willing to share where guys would go after practice and uh, line one up and the women would line up um, for a price. For a very, very low, low price, or maybe they could traded drugs. I don't know, but to me, you, you do that, you lose your, you lose that title. You're not American. I've got nothing against people who do coke. Okay, I've done my share of it, but you know, it's you lose that title. You got to represent class if you're going to have that title. America's team. Now you might kind of where the Steelers freaking cheated. How many of them died in their forties from steroid abuse, hearts blowing up and things. There were a bunch of them. I can't, I can't argue that, but um, I think there's a big difference in, in, in the two Um, success and popularity should be a part of the equation, but a town with a good work ethic for me is a better candidate, a town that's team has players who are good citizens and there's, I know every team's got its goofs. 
Every team's got troublemakers. You put 55 grown men in a room, guess what? Some of them between the ages of 22 and 40 are going to screw up, and you're going to have disharmony from time to time. But that that needs to be a part of the equation as well. Justin Fields, for me, is the biggest story in Chicago sports in 2022. His emergence, more specifically, as a runner, is what is the biggest story of the year. It certainly was the single biggest source of joy for a city, which has never had a really trustworthy quarterback in this or any other era, unless you want to talk about Sid Luckman, and I don't. Uh, Fields has so far to go as a passer, but his, his emergence as a runner, I don't think anybody was expecting it to be this off the chart great. And that's what it's been. You realize Fields is averaging 10.7 yards per carry this year. 10.7 YPG or YPC. Sorry, get your acronyms right, idiot. That's incredible. And he's real likely to get the record for most rushing yards in a season by a quarterback. We had a long way to go as a passer, and I don't feel as good about the Bears' future as a lot of people do because of the shelf life of a running quarterback. Not being negative, being realistic. Look at the history of the position. Look at RG3, even young guys listening to me today. RG3 is not that far removed. You remember, oh, my God, look what he does. He's How long did that last? How good was he after getting his knee blown out? Doesn't doesn't work for very long. Russell Wilson is a good case in point. And Russell Wilson and all of the Denver Broncos reeling this week after the dismissal of first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Just the third guy in NFL history to have the plug pulled on him amidst his first season, during the season. Only three first-year head coaches have been popped. Um, One of them back in the early 70s, and more recently, Urban Meyer fired last year before the Jaguars played their last game of the season. I, I threw out an example of all five of the major teams in Chicago this year on Facebook for what is the biggest story of 2022 in Chicago sports. Big doesn't necessarily mean good. And I had to put, and I, I think it's it's 1A right next to Justin Fields as a runner, the White Sox and Tony La Russa's colossal unraveling this year was not something anybody saw coming. You might not have believed in them to win the World Series. You might not have even believed they'd get to the World Series. But nobody expected them to be a punchline and a punching bag in September. They lied down like whipped dogs the final three and a half weeks of the season. They That certainly deserves to be one of the biggest stories of the year, if not the biggest. On the other side of town with baseball, uh, the Cubs' recent signing of Dansby Swanson, their $177 million shortstop, 28 years old, can hit with some power too. That's got the I threw that in there because there's nothing else to do from the Cubs. Nothing. And I wanted to have all five represented. That might be your story of the year next year. Maybe in 2023, Dansby Swanson will Boost the Cubs back into a playoff position. Wouldn't that be a something? Wouldn't that be something unexpected in a good way? Because all too many 
of what we've seen in recent years, especially this year, is not what the expectation was. There were Bulls fans who were extremely excited about seeing this team go to work. And while they've been okay lately, the year has been an abject failure for Billy Donovan and the Bulls. And that can't be disputed. They were expected to be way better than this, and they were expected to act like grown-ups and not constantly be fighting each other and not wanting to defend the basket. I don't watch any of it, but I can read enough about it to know what I'm not missing, actually, because I wouldn't miss it. Um, The Blackhawks, what I threw out for what the Blackhawks' big story of the year is, is their public relations, the precipitous PR drop they've had with the sexual assault of Kyle Beach being more public in the last 18 months or so, and the Rocky Wirtz disastrous town meeting this year. That's the only thing you can mention for the Hawks, is is how much they have turned off their fan base. And because they turned their they're they're back on a sexual offender it turned they, they they refused to recognize that when it was happening we learned that about mcdonough about quinville about probably most of the players they, they all knew and it remained a secret for many many years it, it's tough to think of anything else with the hawks the way they've they've taken this dive tickets are very available and very cheap unless they're playing the red wings because they only do that once a year now and you may have heard the Red Wings fans travel well. The Blackhawks are such a huge, huge disappointment. It's it's gotten so... And they're not watchable because nobody is familiar with the voices in the booth. You wanna, you've been conditioned to Pat Foley for most of 45 years. He had a short break when they fired him, and then he took the Wolves job for a year or two. And one of the first things McDonough did when he took over was bring Pat Foley back. And that was a smart thing to do. Foley being forced out, and that's what happened. I will get to the blood and guts of the story when I when you pick up my book, which will be available hopefully no later than the 1st of April. Can't promise, but uh, hoping it's no later than the 1st of April. We're, uh, we're bringing it up the back stretch on the, on the book project. Did I miss anybody? I got the Bulls. I got the Blackhawks. I got both baseball teams, and I got Justin Fields. Got them all, which is the biggest story for me, Fields' emergence as a runner. But the White Sox collapse is, is absolutely huge. Can the Bears Can the Bears run on Detroit Sunday? And not just Fields. But can they push them around the way the uh, the Carolina Panthers did this past Sunday? Man, Dan Campbell's dreams colossally dashed Sunday. The the Panthers ran the ball right up Detroit's ass all day. What do they have? 200 yards rushing at the hat. Can the Bears do that with Detroit? Can you unleash David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields? Can you can you let them go crazy and see the Bears cover that six points? That's what we've got at Bet Rivers right now. A total of 52 because you've got two pretty good offenses, two offenses that are usually going to put up points, especially 
when you're playing in a dome or there's good weather. The Bears have had some problems when there's been bad weather. And uh, I, I think their game is more suited to playing indoors than it ever used to be. Um, you're going to have passing instead of just constant. Because if teams only wanted to run against the Bears, that's what they do. Their strength is in their secondary. They're inexperienced. They've got a long way to go. But that's where they're strong. I'm not touching this game. The to This morning, the Lions are laying six with that total of 52 I mentioned. I, I, I don't think I'll touch it. It's, it's too much to lay it because I don't trust Detroit defensively. Um, it's just not easy to do. Dolphins and Patriots this this weekend is is an interesting game. One of them's got a real good shot of going to the playoffs. Dolphins playoff team. Um, but that could change. And no Tua, oh boy. Patriots are three-point favorites. Why is the uh, is the total as high as it is in that game? It's 41 and a half. Without tags, Tonga Vailoa, uh, with Mac Jones, who I always will remember now as being the guy who got postered from by Chandler Jones the way that Week 15 game ended. And that total should be higher than that. I feel the same about the Packers and Vikings. Total is is 48.5. Now, that's not a drippy total, but I, I think there's going to be more points than that score, don't you? The Vikings don't defend the pass well, and the Packers' passing game is getting better. They're getting more out of it, and they've got a shot at making the playoffs. I think it. I think they'll be ready. I man, the Vikings are a team that is we we should have we. I'm just speaking for myself. I don't have as much respect for Minnesota as I should. They're 12 and three, but they squeak by so damn regularly. I can't have a whole lot of long term faith in a squeaker team. Now there no Super Bowl champ ever apologized for not beating the shit out of its opponents all year. Uh, or even in the playoffs, no need for it. Oh, just win baby. Isn't that what Al Davis said years ago at the same time? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult for me to see it going any other than a, than a couple of ways this postseason. and the Minnesota Vikings are not included in my after January 8th plans other than that first playoff game. That's when the season ends January 8th. One day before the earliest Super Bowl ever was played. How about the Niners and Raiders this week after everything going on with the Raiders and Derek Carr being shown the door and not wanting to be around the facility? They don't want him around to serve as a distraction because Jarrett Stidham deserves all of the clear focus he can gain after yesterday's news. And poor dude, um, fourth round pick of the Patriots in 19 has to make his, his big splash as maybe the next guy for the Raiders against the San Francisco 49ers, the, uh, the best defensive team in football and uh, not America's team, but the best defensive team in the NFL. That also has a, a very low total of 41 and a half. I know the Raiders haven't been lighting it up and you don't expect Jared Stidham to do it, but that is that that's a low number based on maybe the way San Francisco has turned it a little bit of late. And you still got Devontae Adams, who's not happy about Derek Carr. Our our producer here on the Danny Mac podcast, Sam Michael, texted yesterday 
And he was wondering when Derek Carr became Aaron Rodgers because of all of the criticisms of the Raiders organization for deciding to pull the plug on him, at least for this year. Many reasons to believe he'll never play another down in a Vegas uniform. And I I think they should move on. It hasn't worked. It's nine years. He hasn't won a playoff game. Can't have it. It's not all on him. It's not been a great organization these last nine years, probably a lot longer than that, going back to their last Super Bowl appearance in 02 when they got hammered by Tampa and Brad Johnson. Derek just doesn't have that it factor. He is a good quarterback. That is both a compliment and a criticism because very rarely do you win titles with good quarterbacks. Usually you win with great quarterbacks or at least quarterbacks who played great at the time. And there hasn't been enough of that from, from Derek Carr. He, by the way, uh, if he were to continue for those who are crying about his demotion, if he were to continue as their quarterback and get hurt in, in this week's game against San Francisco or whoever the F the Raiders close with, that wouldn't be good from a financial standpoint. The Raiders would owe him a shit ton of money next year if he got hurt this year. And you don't want that. You you want a clean slate. Carr's easy to root for. He seems likable. His teammates seem to respond to him. Devontae Adams wanted to go back, and that's what he said yesterday. He's the reason I'm here. You know, it's your 21st century Mark Brunel and right-handed. Brunel was a lefty in the in the 90s for Jacksonville, who, as described by his former teammate and my former radio partner, John Yurkovich, just good enough to break your heart. You you get to thinking maybe maybe we can go to the big one maybe we can win the big one with it doesn't happen it just doesn't happen with with those kind of guys and it's not happening for Derek Carr that's long enough I'm not saying he won't take another team to a Super Bowl I think it's time to change the backdrop and the Raiders are among a dozen teams unsure about what the frick they're gonna do next year. For a quarterback. And I'm already sick of hearing about the prospect of Tom Brady being a a Vegas Raider. So I won't continue in that regard. I'll bail on the discussion. But there are lots of teams looking for quarterbacks in this offseason. Good luck to all of you. They don't grow on trees. Or as Jerry Angelo, the former Bears GM, said, I don't know where the tackle vineyard is. I don't think there's a tackle vineyard to get these. Wouldn't it be cool if there were? I would love to harvest tackles, just walk up and down the rows of of, of tackles that are in, at their perfect ripeness, throw them in a uniform and ask them to protect your quarterback's ass because your team needs you to. Monday night, it's the Bills and the Bengals in Cincinnati. The Bills are favored by a point. I'm going to take the Bengals. I, I, just, I, I think it's an insult. They're getting a point. Gamblers are believing in Buffalo, playing its second straight road date. Maybe it won't matter. But they've been through a lot, those Bills, including going through the Bears' defense last week en route to their easy win at Soldier Field. But when they came home, their cars were buried underneath four feet of snow. I mean, just it's it's been a lot, and they've got to travel again. The Bengals are hot. They had a lousy second half this past weekend. But I think they're going to do just fine 
I like the Bengals getting a point. The total in that game is 49 and a half. That is uh that that's that's a swing game right there. That's that's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh that's Monday night. Uh division yet to be decided too is the NFC South where the Buccaneers are a 3-point favorite over Sam Darnold and the surging Panthers this Sunday. Tampa lay in three. Tampa was, what, an eight-point favorite, seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Arizona the other night, and it came nowhere near covering in that one. It went to overtime. They kicked a game-winning field goal in late, late in overtime. Ah, boy. <laughs> Carolina and Tampa. One of them get to go to the playoffs. Jesus. There are some bad teams in this league, but there's also some really, really good teams I can see five teams taking a confetti shower right now, but only five. You know who they are. Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Philadelphia. And why am I struggling to pull my fifth? San Francisco. See, they're out there on the left coast, out of sight, out of mind. Don't think about them enough. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and for uh, all of them. If you've been there, I've really enjoyed doing this. I look forward to... Uh, continuing it in 2023 and uh, maybe even up the uh, volume of podcasts per week once we get to um, next year's NFL season. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate those of you who have reached out to me, whether it's just uh, a pat on the back or uh, I enjoyed this or, uh, you know, you missed that up, mess that up as Shep did earlier this week. That's fine. I'd rather know than not know. Gave me a chance to correct it and redeem my Steeler fan card and my Iron City beer cans. I get those back now, don't I? Have yourself a great new year. I'll be back Monday for another edition of the Danny Mac podcast, breaking down everything that happened in week 17. And I do believe we have a couple of college football games of note in the next few days that will decide who's going to play for the national championship. One big 10 team is going to be there. It's going to be Michigan or not Jim Harbaugh reportedly uh, the most desirable candidate in the world of Jim Ursay. Oh, are they a match made in heaven? That would be a perfect union. Jimmy Ursay and Jimmy Harbaugh. Sign me up for that. I want to see that play out. Thanking Adam Delavitt. Thanking Sam Michael. Thanking you. Have a great holiday weekend. Already said that. I'm Danny Mack, and I'm out. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mack Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 